Hello and welcome to Evidence of Grace, a podcast from Revolution 22 Church in Boise, Idaho. The purpose of this podcast is for members of our church body to share their testimony and how God is continually working in our lives. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you continue to love God and love others. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Rivers Nordquist. Rivers is going into her senior year at Colorado Christian University, and even though her story isn't being done written, she has an amazing testimony about how she has experienced Jesus as a father in her life and what it looks like to give your whole life to Jesus. I'm really excited for you all to hear this, so sit back and enjoy. All right, welcome back to Evidence of Grace. We have a very special guest joining us today. It is Rivers Nordquist. Rivers, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's yeah, to be here. I'm excited. Um, I was thinking about it. You're actually the first guest that's younger than me. Oh, on that's the podcast. Funny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, this is kind of nice. Like, I get to be the old person that's the sitting back person. in the chair, and yeah. Fun fact, when I met Jack, somebody told me that he was like 24 or 25. So the whole first like two months that I knew you, I thought you were like way older than me. And then I figured out that we were like closer in age. Yeah. How old are you just for the people? 20. 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 21. (laughs) So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, I remember back when I was 21. (laughs) So long (laughs) ago. ago. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm excited to... Um, for you just to get to share your, your testimony, how God's worked in your life. Um, yeah, cause it's a pretty cool story, which is why I asked you to come on the podcast. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm glad you think that. Yeah. And we have, this is, this is cool as well because Rivers has, I think you also might be the first person on the podcast to have actual podcasting experience mm-hmm. um normally i have to give a whole rundown to the guests like okay this is a microphone <laughs> and you're gonna talk into this you wear headphones and then you're gonna hear yourself speak it's kind of weird it's a little weird yeah. and you said when you put the headphones on you're like oh i just spent a while since i put while. them back on yeah no i definitely i had to teach all my myself all of that stuff so that was, uh, me too but me here too. We are. we're self I wouldn't not self- definitely not employed self-taught, self-taught podcasters yeah. yeah for sure which self-employed is self-employed sounds cooler though so it sounds way cooler but I, i'm definitely <laughs> not employed, employed no. to be a podcaster no it's a passion project exactly yeah. yeah um do you want to plug your podcast or no yeah if you are a young adult woman and you are passionate about jesus but you're also passionate about emotional, mental, and social health, check out the Embrace podcast. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I do it with um, one of my really good friends that I met in college. Um, We started it our freshman year just kind of to see what was going to come of it. We got a lot of really great feedback. So it's out there for anybody to listen to. And we've learned a lot from it. I think a lot of other people have benefited from it too. So yeah. 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 It's awesome. We can, I think we can get into more of like the details of that um, when we get to that part of your story, but um, okay, let's get into it. So I like to, as I told you before we started recording, I like to start at the beginning Mm -hmm. Um, and this is going to be a little bit different because like I said, you're younger than, we're we're around the same age, Mm -hmm. which just by nature, we are going to have we're going to have less to say about right. life. There is no life after college for Rivers. So no, <laughs> once isn't. we get to college, that's where, that's it, where it stops. <laughs> and yeah, so and and so I kind of, I mean, I relate to that too, knowing like there's just not much to tell after that. And I'm knowing mm-hmm. also that there's a lot left to be written right. in this. So um, yeah, but let's start baby rivers <laughs> <laughs> well okay so i was born into a christian home my parents are believers my grandparents are believers so there was no shortage of being surrounded by faith when i was little um i have one brother and his name is ridge uh-huh. i think <laughs> do we <laughs> you have to tell a little bit about because okay. i'm i'm assuming people that don't know you are like what There's the no way her actual name is yeah. reverse. No, it is. Let me tell you. And I promise you, my mom is not a hippie. Um, she Actually, our names have really cool stories behind them. Well, Ridge's does. Mine is 
Nah. She she pulled it from a movie, which if like you've grown up in Southern culture at all, which my mom's side of the family is from Tennessee, so that side of our family is very Southern. There's this old Southern movie called My Dog Skip, and the little girl in it, her name is Rivers. So that's where my name comes mm-hmm. from. But my mom gave me my middle name Olivia in case I hated my first name, so that I could like go by something else. But I kind of think Rivers is cool, so we've just stuck yeah, with I it like over it. the years. Yep. Um, and then my brother, his name, I won't go too much into it just cause it's a long story, but, um, before he was born, my mom had a dream that he had died when she gave birth to him. Um, and she had this vision, um, of him standing on the edge of like whatever it was that Mm. God had for him. And so she was like super anxious because of this dream that she had had, but found a lot of peace feeling like the Lord was saying, you know, I have something bigger for him and like all these fears, like you have to give them to me. So when he was born, he had a bowel obstruction. He did almost die. He miraculously survived and she named him Ridge because it was after like the dream that she had. So they actually have meaning behind them. They're not just like <laughs> she's we're gonna... not some outdoorsy person, right? Is like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so yeah, one brother. Um, we had an exchange student for a period of time, which she was like my sister, but that was a very short mm-hmm. period of time. And then my cousins, half of them live here, half of them live in California. So our family's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, but kind of just my faith upbringing. Um, you know, I, I, we went to church as a family every Sunday. Um, I grew up at a private classical Christian school from preschool to high school. So my entire like academic upbringing and my relational upbringing was all based on faith. Um, so there was no lack of Jesus in my house. I was like seven, I think when I was baptized by my grandpa, um, my mom's dad and he, you know, he started churches. His story is actually really cool. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he started a church in a bar, and it was called Common Bra- Common Ground Biker Church because um, he loves his motorcycles, and he did that for, like, 15 years. They just recently closed it down, and now he's back on the road doing ministry. So, Which is super cool. Yeah. 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 So my family's been very involved in all of that. Um, but do I just keep going? Yeah, I mean, is there anything? It's kind of gets. Yeah, it takes a little turn after this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you? <clears throat> hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. What was the? Did you go to your grandpa's church? Like, what was that influence of him having, like, being mm-hmm. the? Uh, yeah, like growing up with that in your family. Yeah. Um. I was never able to go to his church because it was in a bar. Yeah, so exactly. Like, which is super weird. Like, that's uncommon totally. for people. Um, they they made exceptions every now and again when, like, our family would go on a mission trip or something, and we would come back, and we would bring, like, sh- pictures and share the story from our mission trip, and we were allowed to, like, be in the bar mm-hmm. during that period of time, like, supervised by an adult. Yeah. But when they were in the bar, like, we never went to his church. Um and then a couple years in, they moved it out of the bar and into just like a random... Like a building. Yeah, yeah, it was some kind of place in like this line of shops. I don't even know. It was really random. But we could go there every okay. now and again. But we... I So I grew up going to the Vineyard Church, which if you're from the Boise area, then you have probably heard of it. Um, and then we switched to Rev when I was in like fifth grade. We moved from our house. We lived out in Star. We moved from our house into like Meridian area and then moved to Rev along with it. Mm-hmm. And then I've been at Rev ever since. Which so. this part is interesting too, because I like to, that's definitely one of the questions I like asking people on this podcast is like, how did you end up at Rev? Yeah. And yours is kind of unique because most of, actually every one of the other people that's been on mm-hmm. the podcast has told their story and then it usually ends with and in the past couple of years I've been going to Rev or mm-hmm. this is how we found Rev mm-hmm. but you didn't really have a choice in choosing right. Rev I didn't choose it um do you remember any of that process or like kind of how that went down because so we can go to that before everything else yeah it's definitely weird right you know going to the vineyard and going to a big church and then transitioning to Rev which was 
teeny, teeny tiny. And we started going there when we were still at the school, like the Foothill School or whatever yeah. it was. So it was just like a big culture shock for me. Like the worship team wasn't as big and, you know, the preaching, like you could reach up and touch the person that was like Bren while he was talking. Yeah. Like it was just a lot more intimate. Um, but at that point in my life, like I was going to church with my family. I yeah. was not really going to church of my own choosing. And so it was like, whatever my family's doing, I'll do. And it's, and you know, an hour on a Sunday. So it's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just acclimated. Like yeah. it just was kind of part of life. And we just rolled into it. Do you remember why? I mean, maybe this is a question for your mom, but why mm-hmm. they chose Rev or anything like that? Or like, was there connections there before? Honestly, I have no clue. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know if you knew or not. Yeah. That's fifth grade because my my family moved from like pretty similarly, like from a pretty big church mm-hmm. to a smaller church mm-hmm. when I was in sixth grade and. Yeah. I remember like getting in the car after church one Sunday and they were like, uh, we're going to try a new church next week. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait, we've never like, we've gone to this church my entire life. What do you right. mean? We're trying a new church next week. Yeah. Um, so I think I've kind of understood maybe a little bit more why as I've grown up, but there right. was definitely no, right. nothing at the, at the beginning. Yeah. And I was going to say like, as I get into it, with like college and kind of stepping out and making my own choices as far as where I go to church now, I've definitely seen the value of Rev and being in the smaller community because now I go to a mega church in Colorado. So like I'm living on basically two different ends of the spectrum and it's been really cool to see because you get a lot of value from both. Yeah. Um, And I think it's unique that I've gotten to have both experiences. Like some people don't get to. And so I get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of the small church and the big church, yeah. you know? Um, so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so you got this. So, okay. Do you want, yeah, tell us about the the next, the next phase. Okay, so that kind of just gives you the underlying theme of my whole upbringing. Right. Um, but... You know, I'd be lying if I said that my story is easy because it's not. Um, And I don't want to sugarcoat it, but I also want to be, like, real about it, you know? Um, So (laughs) when I was young, my mom always – I say I had a crazy personality, and my mom always gets mad at me. She's like, no, you weren't crazy. You were strong-willed, which I think is true. I was a – passionate little kid and that passion came out in good ways and in bad ways um you know I have so many memories of like birthday parties that got canceled and family events that I had to leave early or you know super embarrassing situations when I had to like go to time out because I was like going crazy and you know my mom she was very patient with me Um, My dad was very patient with me, too. And, you know, they did, like, love and logic parenting. (laughs) And they tried to, like, figure out exactly how to handle this. And there was one point where, you know, my grandpa kind of approached my mom and was like, this doesn't feel normal. Like, maybe she needs professional help, which I didn't. Obviously, I didn't know that at the time. But hearing that later was, like, really jarring. It was like, oh, like, it was that extreme that maybe. How old were you in these I was like f- five to like, well, no, it was like four to like eight, okay. I think, ish, yeah. maybe a little younger. Yeah. Um, but my mom was, was super adamant that like this was a good thing, and she has been my whole life. This was a good thing, and the Lord was going to use it. We just had to figure out how to channel it. Um, so, you know, I was in counseling and therapy with her from a young age trying to kind of like figure out where this all fit. And there was a point where, you know, I think she was feeling hopeless and I was starting to feel a lot of shame and guilt, realizing that I was causing so many problems, but being so young that it's like, what do you even do with that? Um, And so there was one night, I think my mom and I had gotten into it about something. I don't remember. Um, I left the house. I went outside into the front yard. It was dark. And I was just laying on the grass crying. I think I was probably like, I think I was like seven-ish. 
laying on the grass crying, like, why is this this way? Why do I have all of this unbridled passion inside of me that I can't seem to control? Why is it such a bad thing? Like, what do I do with it? I'm hurting the people I love. I don't know how to not hurt the people I love. Like, you know, basically at seven years old, just crying out to the Lord, like, why, why is this me? Um, and I genuinely don't know what happened in that moment, but at seven years old, I had an encounter with Jesus and, you know, he said basically the same thing my mom said, where it was like, this is a good thing, but you need to calm yourself down. Like you need to learn to calm yourself down. And I don't know why hearing that in that moment like changed everything. I think it was because it was Jesus Mm because everybody told me to calm down, but like it never worked. Um, And so I got up, went back inside, went to bed. And my mom, you could ask her this. She said from that day forward, I was never the same kid. Mm. Like the passion never went away. The strong willed, you know, character, nature, personality never went away. But there was another level of control to it that she 100% believes was the Lord. Yeah. Um, because she did everything under the sun and the Lord changed that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really kind of like at a young age, my first encounter with Jesus on a really personal level. Um, and it has continued to affect my life because the person that I am today is largely because of the girl that I was back then. Um, yeah. And that makes, I mean, so. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's that's kind of crazy to have an experience like that so young. Yeah. Uh, and especially to remember it that vividly. But mm-hmm. and I also think I think it speaks to the like the faith that your mom has. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Because like you said she tried everything and but it seems like she uh, was pretty adamant that mm-hmm. it was like the, it was from the Lord to begin mm-hmm. with. And I think that is really easy to look at that from afar and maybe say that's true, but mm-hmm. to have that, to especially with that. It's your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty tough. Yeah. I know my mom is, I just, if I can be half of what she was as a mother to my kids, then I'm doing something right because my mom is the most patient, but also the most wise woman that you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was not lost on her that even in the middle of what seemed really crazy compared to everything else that, you know, her sister was experiencing with her kids and, like, her friends had with their kids, she was still very, very sure that the Lord had not, like, missed anything. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. And it's been a really amazing narrative for my life. Like, you know, growing up being that kid, there's a lot of judgment that could be attached to it. Like, if there was... Um, you know, like judgment from the family and I've never had that. And so I've gotten to walk out of that season of my life, actually really proud of that person instead of really ashamed of that person. Mm -hmm. And that is 100% due to the way that my mom approached things and the way that she approached me through it and after it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So what does life look like after, after this? Um, okay. So like middle school ish, I, you know, I was a big sports girl. I played soccer basically from the time I was two, like from the time I could walk until about my eighth grade year, I was playing soccer, um, you know, playing competitively starting at like nine years old, which is ridiculous, you know. Um, but my dad played soccer and my mom played soccer and they both loved it. And so it was like they gung-ho, were pumped, yeah. they were ready. Um, you know, I was on Olympic development program teams at like – 11 12 so my life was soccer and school because i was still at the private classical school still doing which most people i think know what the school is ambrose yeah yeah (laughs) i'll just say it um but it was really interesting because i had like two cultures that i ran in in middle school i ran in my academic setting where everybody believed in jesus and i was being taught about Jesus and about my faith and about the Bible and learning to love Jesus more. And then I would leave school and I would go spend my afternoon with all of my soccer friends at practice. Right. And none of them knew Jesus. None of them loved Jesus. There wasn't a passion for that. Um, you know, and as a middle schooler, like that's kind of a big tension to feel. 
you know, because like you fit in in one environment where you've grown up in and you know how to talk the talk and walk the walk and look like a Christian and be the good Christian girl. And then you go into the, you know, worldly environment where it's like at, you know, uh, what, 8, 10, 11 years old, like you want to fit in. But how do you fit in when your faith is all that you really know? Right. And like this is a whole different environment for me. Um so I was the oddball on my soccer team every year, all the time. Like I was just, it was hard for me to make friends. It was hard for me to be like socially involved. I had like one close friend. Was there any like temptation to, or maybe not temptation. I think that like, I guess that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. To like not like maybe conform to like, or just try to fit in that way toward like with your soccer friends. Um. I think there was. I just don't think I responded to it. Yeah. Like, if I sit down and actually think about it, I think it was there. Um, but, and and I'll get into this a little bit more. Being raised at Ambrose, there was very much an emphasis on the fact that, like, you're not really going to fit in mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. That and so sense. I had grown up hearing that. And so then when I didn't really fit in, it was like, I had already been taught to believe that that was okay. Hmm. And so it wasn't actually as big of a deal for me as I think it might have been if I hadn't had that narrative already taught to me. But I like I can't think of a time where it was like overwhelming pressure to like yeah. conform. Which I just cool. owned the fact that yeah. I was different. Yeah. And it just was what it was. Yeah. And looking back on it, like yeah, I was really weird compared to a lot of the girls. Yeah. And if I, like, was in that situation today, the pressure would probably be a lot bigger. Yeah. Um, because I definitely feel like, as an adult, that pressure mounts. Um, but, I, yeah. Hmm. It wasn't like... Because that's... I mean, that was some... Like, I had a similar experience just playing sports as well and mm-hmm. having... But also going to a public school. So it was kind of like... For mm-hmm. me, it was like you had... I had, like, church and church people and then outside of that. And I think it took me a long time to mm-hmm. have that realization that I was going to be different because right. I didn't want to be different. Right. So I would say that that was stuff like that was something that I fell into. I was like, mm-hmm. mm, rather than stand up and be different, I was like, no, I'm going to like fit in with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I definitely, I'll, I'll say this. I think there's a difference between like actively standing up and being like, no, I don't do that. Or Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to do that versus knowing in your mind that you don't do it, but kind of just sitting by and watching everybody else do it and like passively being a part of it. Yeah. Which I think is a lot of what I did. Okay. Like I wouldn't actively participate. Right. But I wouldn't be the one to like stand up and be like, no guys, like let's not do that. Totally. You know? Totally. So I don't know. I don't know if that's like a, good thing or a bad thing Uh, yeah i mean you're all like i think something too that i'm realizing and this is kind of funny coming from two young 20 year olds Mm -hmm. but like the stuff that you do when you're that age it does not matter as much as you think it does so however we handled it and it was what it was yeah 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 no for sure um but yeah so middle school i kind of was living two separate lives and I didn't really have a life outside of school and soccer. So I was not your average, like, a middle school girl who goes out and, like, hangs out with her friends. And, like, I was at soccer tournaments or I was at school. Like, that was it. My whole life was these two things. And I started to get frustrated. Like, I was sick and tired of not having a life. I was sick and tired of being what I knew was a young kid and living my life like I was like an adult with so many responsibilities between school and soccer and if you go to the Ambrose school then you know like it's a lot um and you know throw on top of that I had a really negative experience with my soccer coach it was the first influence in my life that really affected me deeply in a negative way And this is a pattern in my life. This is something that I'll get into, too. Like, from a young age until now, I have had a series of influences from men who 
like speak negatively over me or um, have super high expectations that I can't meet that then cause me to believe that I'm less than and my soccer coach was the first of the string. Um, and so come like my eighth grade year, I was already touring colleges, like ready to get committed and play at, in eighth grade. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so crazy. Um, and I told my mom, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I can't handle this anymore. I can't handle the pressure, number one, from all the responsibility of it. But number two, I can't handle the social component of being told over and over and over and over again that I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my coach did that. Like, run faster. You're not fast enough. You look like you're pulling a piano behind your back. He'd sit us down, um, all the whole team. And we're like 12, right? Screaming the F word at us when we won the game. And, and like, we just thought that was normal. Right. You know? Um, and it, so it was a super oppressive environment. I told my mom I don't want to do this anymore. And she was like, well, you know, just try and figure it out. Like, I think it was hard for her to envision my life not having soccer in it. Mm-hmm. And so she really tried hard to, like, help me push through it. And I don't even remember what happened, but there was a day at practice. We were running a drill. And it was my turn. You know, I shot. I did whatever. Ran to the back of the line and decided in that moment, I was like, I'm not coming back. Like, I'm not coming back ever again. I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm going to finish this day and I'm never coming back. Mm. And I did. Like, I went home and I told my mom I'm not going back to practice. And I never went back. I, I ended up having a conversation with my coach at, when did I end of eighth grade? I was probably like 13. 14, almost 14, Yeah, sat down with my coach, told him, you cannot treat people like this. You cannot talk to people like this. I love soccer and you ruined it for me because of the way that you spoke to me. And like, that's not okay for me. But at the same time, I forgive you. Mm. I need you to know like the ways that this hurt me, but I'm not going to hold that over your head. So at 14, I told him this is not okay, but I forgive you. And I walked away and I never went back. (laughs) So that was kind of, yeah, all of middle school was that. And then quitting that, you know, then going into high school, it's like, what do I do with myself Was it like a weight off your shoulders though? Like, I think it was in some sense, but then also... I mean, and you probably know this, like if you play sports for any period of time and then you don't play it anymore, your life is like, there's no structure. Like, yeah. I don't know what to eat. I don't know how to exercise. I don't know what to do with my time off. Like your whole world is just like, where do I fit? Yeah. What do I do? Totally. So a lot of pretty much all of high school was figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I did play basketball in high school, but like it wasn't on the same level. Yeah. Just casually. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly my mom was just like, if you're not going to play soccer, <laughs> then you need to play a sport. You need to do something, it's yeah. Like, okay. Yep. Um, but let me think about how I want to do this. No, totally. Am I rambling? I feel like. No, I'm not rambling. at all. Okay. Um, but yeah, so so high school was kind of when my life started to change pretty drastically. Um, was still at Ambrose. You know, there were still a lot of academic expectations for me plus the fact that like now I wasn't playing soccer so I wanted to get into a good college and I needed to figure out how to do that from an academic perspective instead of from a sports perspective because that's just kind of what I had always been built up on um and so I was just kind of rolling through life as a freshman um finished school did what I needed to do got through it got to the end of my year and my parents split they didn't get divorced but they split they started living in different homes um and I had you know like split time seeing them so I would be at my house with my mom part of the time and I would be either at my grandparents house with my dad or my mom would leave and my dad would come to the house and see us um do you sorry no do you like did you see this coming at all was it a big surprise like um, no, it wasn't a surprise. Uh-huh. I, my my parents grew up with a really rocky, like, 
marriage. I grew up watching a really rocky marriage. Um, and I think I always subconsciously knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, when it did, you're like shell shocked and you're well, like, totally, oh my yeah. gosh, this is my life. Like my parents are actually not together anymore. But it wasn't like a shock as in, oh my gosh, I never saw this coming because right. we all saw it coming. Totally. Um, I think that I, yeah, I think that's important though, because, mm-hmm. uh, a, a freshman in high school or almost a sophomore in high school that goes through a shocking parents divorce mm-hmm. is a different, maybe a different situation than right. one that like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's surprising when it actually happens, but mm-hmm. knowing that it's it not being was, blindsided. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and like it affects people in different ways, right? Like Mm -hmm. depending on who you are. I grew up really close with both of my parents. Um, when I was young, obviously I didn't see all of the things with my dad that as an adult I now see and I now really struggle with. But as a little girl, like my daddy hung the moon, right? like he was amazing and I loved him and uh, like, if you think of a daddy's girl, like, I was a daddy's girl. I was so proud of my dad. Um, and so when my parents split, you know, there was this initial pressure as the child to, like, keep relationship with both of your parents, not pick one over the other, like, really stay super neutral. Yeah. Um, which I tried to do for a long time. Um, and I, and I, like, I love my mom. There was nothing against my mom. It was just, like, I had an affinity for my dad. And I think that's why this part of my story is so hard, because it was the relationship with my dad that I ended up losing. And that was a whole different type of grief process. Yeah. Growing up, really, like, worshiping the ground that he yeah. walked on. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a nasty split. I won't get into all the details, but I'll just say it was rough. Um, you know, and then, and then I go back to school and like, I'm the girl who, and I don't want to sound cocky when I say this, but like, I just, I'm very type A and I like to perform really high. So like I was known as the girl who was in leadership, who led her basketball team, who got good grades, like who everybody knew who was like the good, the performer, the whatever. And so I went back to school having to keep up appearances for what it felt yeah. like to be everything that I was while my family is falling apart in yeah. the background. And I'm not the type of person who likes to talk about it. So nobody knew. Hmm. Like I went to school and everybody thought things were fine. Right. Except for like the one or two people that I would tell. But besides that, nobody knew. Um, and I still, like I have friends who come to me still that I grew up with. And they're like, your parents were getting divorced then? Like I had no idea. Um, and so that was really difficult. Yeah, totally. It caused, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it an identity crisis. That's what I, that was the words I was going to use. Yeah. So it's I think, probably the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you talked about living two different lives in middle school, but I think mm-hmm. that's a much lesser, that's to a much less extent mm-hmm. than what you, what that was in high school. Yeah. It was really interesting though. Cause I felt very versed at oh, like yeah, I'm sure. splitting yeah my my life like right but that's i think i think that's one of the things that doesn't really get talked about in those situations is mm-hmm. how easy it can be to 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 either do that or maybe it's i think it's to tell yourself that that's normal or okay right. yeah. i think that's the part that um that you can you can do really well and i don't think people really understand how well teenagers do that and mm-hmm. kids growing up do that but and and just yeah, just not even realizing that those yeah. things are an issue. Yeah, I honestly don't even know if kids realize how well they do it. No, like, not yeah. I think back on it, and it was definitely like a form of survival. It was not like a conscious choice that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, that's just it's not very instinctual, right? Because I don't think you're. I don't think anyone is that emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. at that young of an age. Like right. that's just that's kind of an unrealistic expectation. Yeah, but. I think because so many adults kind of go through that process, especially mm-hmm. adults that I've known growing up in church, going through those like identity crisis process. Right. I think you kind of forget how it was when you're a teenager. Yeah. And then if you're raising a teenager or just dealing with teenagers. Right. It's, yeah. You're you kind of like, have to take yourself back. E- totally. Like, okay. Put myself in your shoes. Totally. 
yeah for sure so i guess yeah identity crisis is the word Um, i mean it sounds bad maybe but it no but it it, like in a lot of ways it was it was like i am this person to everybody who knows me at school but i also am trying to like keep everything together in my family um and you know it all it all kind of converged into this one area of my life where it was like i feel like i don't have control yeah so i feel like I'm being, you know, torn to shreds at school because I can't like do everything perfect and keep everything right. And like, you know, I, I am not like a smart kid. I'm a hard worker. And Mm. so I had to work my butt off for the things that a lot of people just innately could do. And so, you know, I got read the riot act a couple of times because things weren't perfect. And you know, in my house, like my parents are fighting, my, you know, family is splitting, my grandparents are upset at me, I'm losing relationships, like, I'm completely out of control. And um, as a fellow oldest and type mm-hmm. A person, my, yep. like, that is, yeah, that's not a fun feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, like the oldest having a younger mm-hmm. sibling, it's like, obviously, my job is not to be his parent. But there was a lot of me that felt responsible for making sure he was okay yeah. because everything around me was so crazy that it was like natural to yeah. be like no totally mother right. quote unquote um so like my well beginning of covid so what was that end of my sophomore year um i developed an eating disorder which manifested through the lack of control um and i have since had a lot of therapy and a lot of help getting that under control um, and working through some of the psychological underlyings of all of that and realizing that when things go crazy in my life, my tendency is to overcorrect. And I can do that in a multitude of different ways. In high school, it happened like an eating disorder, but it could happen any way in my life. So I've learned about myself that I have to be super careful about control. Um just because it's it's my kryptonite like it's my weakness um but so to keep a really really long story short yeah my parents split my freshman year of high school there was a legal battle from then until the end of my senior year of high school so i graduated and my parents had just finalized yeah their divorce so they were getting divorced for like four and a half five years And in that process, you know, I had to, like, tell the judge which parent I wanted to live with. Like, at 16, I had to go in and tell the judge which parent I wanted to live with. That doesn't happen. No. Um, But my dad was very bullheaded, and he wanted it his way or the highway, and he wouldn't settle. Hmm. So my mom had to fight him, and... Eventually, my brother and I had to fight him so that we wouldn't lose our house and we wouldn't, like, lose our ability to graduate school. Um, And, you know, like, the judge told my mom after the whole thing was over, she was like, I, in all, like, 15 or 20 years of doing this job, I have never awarded sole custody to one parent of two adult children. Yeah. But she had to right. because it was very clear that my dad was not safe mm-hmm. to be around. Um, not because he was abusive, but just because he was mentally not okay. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, in that whole process, my faith went from being something that as a kid was just part of routine to basically being a survival tool. Like, it was the only thing I had in my arsenal that was going to keep me alive. Mm-hmm. Every morning I woke up and it was like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do another day. Like, I'm I'm done. I'm going to give up. And it was always like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I read my Bible. I had worship music going from the time that I woke up to the time that I went to bed. I'm not even kidding you. Like, 24 hours a day um, because I didn't have anything else. Um, And so, you know, in that period of my life, Jesus went from being 
this kind of like ethereal thing out in the sky to really starting to understand what the Bible means when it calls Jesus father. Uh-huh. Um, because I didn't have one at that point. Right. And I lost, you know, well, I lost the only one that I did have and it was devastating. And so, um, kind of exploring what it was like to understand Jesus as my dad, as protector, as provider, as a safe place. That was a really new experience for me. Right. And, and I, it's, I don't know. I, I find that really admirable because I can't really wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. And so was there a, was there like a, a, a time or maybe like a moment where it was hard? I guess like explain like the process of going to that. Like, was there times where you didn't like want to turn to Jesus for that? Because I don't know, in my head, it, um, like having a, a father who's like my biggest role model, mm-hmm. that idea of then having to lean on a father who like isn't physically there mm-hmm. uh, is challenging for me. So like, was that ever an issue? That was a huge yeah. issue. I, you know, I would call my mom. Actually, I remember the day that I ended up calling my mom. I was house sitting for my aunt Um, And I was reading, I don't even remember what passage it was. I could go back and find it. Um, But I was just reading my Bible and it was talking about like the nature of Jesus as a father. And so I had gone outside to like sit. They had this like hammock on their back porch. So I'd like gone outside to sit outside to watch the sunset. And I called my mom and cried on the phone to her and said exactly what you're saying, which is like, I know I don't get to have my dad. Like, my physical dad is gone, and I need to accept that, and that's hard in and of itself. But everybody's telling me that I get to have this, like, heavenly father, and that's all good and dandy, but, like, where is he when I'm crying? Like, he's not going to come down and give me a hug. Like, that's not how it works. Um, And so what is it, like, bawling on the phone to her? Like, what does it look like for me to actually, like, be in relationship with him when I need him and he doesn't feel like he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember what she said because I still am trying to figure that uh, out. That's what I was going to say. I, I feel like that's unfair to ask that question maybe because it's, yeah. there's no real answer. And I think, I think people are trying to figure that out mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I but, definitely, It'll come full circle because I'll talk about this later, but my faith had another really big transition in college. And when it did, I started to understand what a relationship with Jesus was on a emotional level more than an like academic or intellectual level. And when that shift happened, a lot of the things that just were kind of like words on paper for me about the character of Jesus as a father became really like alive and I could experience them more. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I just think that was the work of the Lord. I don't think that no, was totally. anything that I did. I just think he's been molding and softening my heart throughout my life to allow me to experience those things. But the one thing I can say is like, it takes persistence to stay in that place and not give up. Like it was a conscious choice every day to be like, I'm not quitting on this and I'm not giving up on this. And I'm not going to say that this is not worth it because I believe it is. And so if I believe it is, then I'm going to like fight till the end right. for it um and if i hadn't done that then i wouldn't have had to or i wouldn't have been able to have those experiences later in my life that like totally kind of brought it why don't why simple. do you think you didn't give up <laughs> genuinely because i don't think i would have made it if i didn't huh. i had to be real, like super real with myself and recognize that it was either stick to jesus and survive this or give jesus up and yeah. I, I don't know what would have happened to me, but I it would not have I would not be here today. I can say that much. Right. Um and I guess that's where it goes all the way back to the strong-willedness. Like I just didn't want to lose. Yeah. Like I didn't want to let this thing in my life that I knew was the sticking point for so many other people be the thing that continued to 
hold me the rest of my life. So I was like, gosh darn it, like, if this is the only thing that's going to get me through it, then I'll hold on to it for dear life. Yeah. Um, which I'm glad that it was like that, but you can't survive on that kind totally. of relationship with Jesus. Like if, and this is something I'm learning in my life, if your relationship with Jesus is based on crisis, it's not going to, it's not going to work. Um, so moving into college, you know, I had to create the situation now where like my faith was my own. Like I, my parents weren't going to drag me to church anymore. Like I was going to have to decide how much Jesus was a part of my life and in what way. And I had to create space for that. And I had to enter new environments and, you know, meet new people and build new community, like all the things, you know, like you had to do it. It's yeah. hard. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second, just because it kind of all wraps things together. But anyways, so graduating high school, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Nope. Because everybody in my family is a doctor, so I thought I was supposed to be a doctor. And then I realized, I had this like epiphany moment senior year of high school where I was like, you suck at math and science. <laughs> and not in like a derogatory way, like self-pity. I just genuinely was not good at it. But I was really good at writing really good at speaking, really good at communication and, and all of that. And so I told my mom, I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to study communications. And my mom was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> because that's like a really big shift and communications has kind of a bad rap. Yeah. I mean, you look like, no, I, nothing wrong <laughs> with communications. I just think, uh, from like a, like an average salary perspective yeah you look at you it's know doctors successful. is probably <laughs> very top and mm -hmm. communications is not we're plugging the bottom yeah, of the barrel yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. so told totally. my mom that i was like i don't want to be a doctor i want to do communications um didn't know where i wanted to go to school applied to like 15 different colleges because i was so indecisive yeah and the one that I'm going to, CCU, Colorado Christian, was not one of the ones that I applied to. So funny. Yeah. Um, my mom, we were climbing one day in Moab with my brother. And my mom was like, you should just apply to CCU because we had a family friend that went there. Um, and I was like, absolutely not. Like, it's too much like Ambrose. And I refuse to go to a college that's like Ambrose. And she was like, no, I really like, I really think you should apply. And I was like, absolutely not. You cannot force me. So we argued, argued, argued. She forced you. She forced me, mm. yeah. So I ended up applying that evening to accommodate her and make her happy. And then I woke up the next morning and I had a phone call with them, from them, with my scholarship offer, my acceptance, like the whole night, in one night. And I was like, okay, so I guess I'm going to CCU. <laughs> <laughs> um, so committed to CCU, which that... That's another really long story. But the fact that I'm there is the grace of God and really the grace of their leadership. Like, I cannot recommend CCU enough. Their staff has been so kind to me, and they know my story, and they have gone above and beyond to create a situation where I can go to that school. Because my dad pulled out. He chose not to pay for college like he said he was going to help me do so and between all the legal battles and everything my mom didn't have enough to pay for it so like the fact that I'm there right is that's incredible a miracle um so I'm at CCU I'm going into my senior year this upcoming year um getting my bachelor's degree in strategic communications and dual degree so I'm doing my bachelor's and I'm getting my master's degree in business leadership um as well. So I'm going to walk next year after three years of college with my bachelor's and my master's, which yeah. is another congratulations miracle. Um, but anyways, so all of that to say, I thought I was going to go corporate. Like I thought I was going to be like a business girl. Um, or maybe I was going to do politics or write or something like that. Um, and then I found Red Rocks Church, which is the church that I'm currently going to. And y'all, this church changed my life. Like, I just don't even have words to explain it. I walked in the first day and immediately experienced the Lord 
on a very personal level in a way that I had never experienced him in all my 18, 19 years of living. Um, And that's kind of what I say about moving from a very academic, intellectual understanding of Jesus that I got from Ambrose. Like, I knew how to argue with you about the Bible. I knew how to defend what I believed. I knew philosophy. I knew theology. Like, you want to talk about hard stuff? You want to talk about Calvinism, Arminianism? Like, let's go. But I didn't know Jesus in my heart, and I found Jesus in my heart at Red Rocks. Um, So that's the church that I go to. I'm fully hook, hook, line, and sinker involved in their young adults ministry. I serve there every Thursday. All my friends are from there. Like, it has genuinely changed my life. And so now I kind of feel like I want to go into ministry, but I don't want to go the typical route. So still committed to communications and business, want to do ministry from kind of that perspective. And I have no idea what that's going to look like <laughs> for my life. But I can tell you for sure that um, I know the Lord has given me a lot to say, and I'm ready to say it when he's ready for me to say it. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but. Yeah, I mean, the beauty is you don't have to know. Right. Right. Um, And that's kind of what you were saying about, like, our story is still very much being written. Totally. There's a lot of dot, dot, dot. Totally. see what happens. Totally. And. I mean, even just, yeah, that's a, it's a scary, like I remember I, I was in that, a very similar situation, like my, mm-hmm. um, my going into my senior year of college and not really knowing what to do. I was studying business mm-hmm. as well. And I remember I looked, I looked in an old like journal I had the other day and I, um, it might have even been after like a youth night mm-hmm. um, when I was just leading like a small group, and I I remember like writing down, um, and it said something like, "I have this on my heart, like maybe I should do something in ministry, mm-hmm. but doesn't every Christian have that?" And I remember mm-hmm. just like I left that little paragraph there, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's just funny then looking back at how the rest of the year went and how this opportunity at Rev came up as. Yeah. And to do what I'm doing now. And I just think that's funny. Like, yeah, I think that's, that was kind of God being like, Hey, you remember that, that isn't something that everyone writes down. Right. Like it's not. So I don't know. I think that's, um, I mean, I think everybody's definitely called to some form of ministry. Right. If you're a believer, like the great mission, like that's just, yeah. But I think that's a difference of, it's different. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess all that to say, like the, yeah, like the Lord has, has stuff planned. And I think that's mm-hmm. a fun part of your story right now is yeah. that you can be in a point where you don't have to. And maybe in right. five years, you look back at this podcast and <laughs> you listen to that part and you're like, wow, that's really funny that that's what I thought I was going to at right. this d- yeah. day and time. Well, and if you had told me I was going to be having this conversation right. with you as a senior in high school, I would have said you were crazy. I mean, even even so. at this point, like last year, I remember you had a different <laughs> I did. So yeah. Things changed. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. All I can say is Jesus has been super faithful. And I just like my heart aches that people would know him like I've gotten to know him. And I know that part of that happens just from experience. And I can't make that experience for people like the Lord is going to have to do that work in their heart. But if there's any part of my life and my story that I can use to communicate to people just how amazing Jesus is like on a really real level then I want to do it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. what are like maybe some not like tips or maybe like a record like how how do you think you did that in your life what talked about Jesus just like gotten to know him that way oh goodness well I mean you have to be this is going to sound really like Sunday schoolish, but it's real. Like you need to like know your Bible. And and that's not just because like 
it looks like really good like okay for my girls out there if you're like the type of girl that likes to get her coffee and go to a coffee shop on Sunday and like read her bible and look all aesthetic like that's great and it looks nice from the outside but like do you really know the word like do you really know the heart of Jesus do you really understand what the bible says and why it says what it says and what it means for your life like are you studying it or are you just reading it to look pretty you know and I had to kind of come to that place in my life where it's like I can look really good on the outside like I can keep up appearances really well I've learned that throughout my life but those appearances aren't going to save me when the rubber meets the road like I have to know Jesus in a real way and to know Jesus in a real way I have to know my Bible so my Bible is my favorite thing in the world I have so many of them because I can't help but just keep buying Bibles. That's where I your aesthetic it. side comes in. See, okay, it's not it's not a bad thing to be aesthetic. No, with your I, Bible. Didn't, I'll I say didn't say that. it was bad. I but just that's the part that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I love. I love my Bible. Um, I love spending time with Jesus, and I think this is. I mean, I guess this is the biggest thing I would say is. Um, there are a million different formulas for how you're supposed to spend your time with Jesus. And I always felt a lot of guilt because maybe I wasn't doing it the right way. I don't know if there is a right way to do uh, it. Yeah. I, like, you need to figure out what it looks like for you to connect with the Lord. Um, for me, it's journaling. Writing is the only way I really get my thoughts out. Um, so I journal a lot. And worship music is another big one for me. But, like, I know people who need to walk and talk. I know people who need to talk to a mentor. Like, it's not a personal thing. Like, they grow more with the Lord when they have somebody to learn from. Like, mm-hmm. it really just depends on who you are and how you connect. I think some people are the the theological side. Like, mm-hmm. some people are very black and white. Yep. I need to know. I need to know all the answers yep. to feel confident that way. Totally. Yeah. And so I would say if you can figure out kind of what makes you tick, then you can really start to channel that and use that to develop your relationship with Jesus more. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a lot of self-discovery. Yeah, for sure. But for sure. Make your Bible your best friend. Nice. I like it. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, And surround yourself with people who love Jesus because I can say confidently that like, being surrounded by a group of girls and guys who push me to Jesus when things get hard builds my faith way more, obviously, than yeah. it would if it, it was like I had to fight that. Totally. Day, so. Totally. Yeah. Um, what is something that you're like, what, what's, what are you looking forward to this next year with your last year at, in, in college? Um, I mean, you kind of talked about how life could or just does drastically change when you're done with mm-hmm. college, but could change in unexpected ways. But what are you looking forward to this next year? Oh gosh, I don't know everything. <laughs> I I think I feel like I'm kind of on the edge of something right now. And I, I think the Lord is going to bring some breakthrough in this season of my life and give me some clarity on some things that I haven't had clarity before. And I'm excited about that. That's a really, like, vague answer. Yeah, no, but that that, that's, but that makes sense, yeah. I guess, okay, here's a better way to put it. I have spent so much of my life looking for words to explain myself because I have been at such a loss for an opportunity to talk in my life, to be heard in my life, that having the power to, like, explain my story and have it make sense and all of those things, like, it's really important to me. So, like, even doing this right now feels really weird. Not because I'm, like my story is bad or I like, I don't want to share my story, but I always get caught up in the details of like, is it communicated in a way that like makes sense? Because if it doesn't make sense, then what's it worth? And like all this stuff. And the Lord has been teaching me that in this season of my life, like he is the words that I've been looking for. And as I've discovered that I've been freed up in a lot of ways in my life to build relationships and move into spaces professionally where I would not have been able to go because I was so hindered by worry. Um, and so I guess that's what I mean by like he's opening new doors. Yeah. 
Um, and so I'm excited to see the things that I get to do in college and after college for his name because I'm not so worried about what I look like anymore. Hmm. That's really cool. I don't know if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And college is just fun. So, like, <laughs> I'm excited about that, too. Yeah, definitely. It's a blast. Yeah. That's I awesome. To be back at young adults. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you would like to add that you did not I don't know. touch on? I think I covered it all. Okay. I kind of talked a lot. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Okay. That's, that's uh, I mean, it's your story so that's how it if someone if i was talking about it telling <laughs> that then that would not be the point of the podcast uh, okay. so well, good um yeah we're gonna we always close by praying so okay. um go ahead me pray yeah i'm not praying Heck yeah okay <laughs> dear jesus um we just come before you right now god i thank you for your character God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your persistence. Um, God, I thank you for the hard stuff that um, you use it to glorify yourself and that you use it to teach us more about your character and more about your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't take for granted that the hard stuff has purpose, God, Um, and that when we tell our story, you're exalted through it, Lord. It says in Revelation that we overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb, God, and... um, you know, we just surrender that to you. I surrender that to you today, God. I pray that you would use my story and whoever else has shared their story on this podcast um, to meet people and to show them your character, show them your love. Um, and I just pray that your name would be magnified and glorified, and we love you. In your name, amen. Amen.